All right. We are taking borderline on the road. And yeah. we've taken we've taken we've taken the show and we have taken our relationship to a whole different level. <laughs> I guess we might as well just come out and say it. Bernie and I are sleeping together. That's right. Just uh <laughs> what a what a beautiful room. Uh thank God there's uh it's a king size bed. So yeah, we don't right? have to snuggle too bad. Yeah. It's no. uh <laughs> it is two queens at least. Yeah. Well, that's what they're going to say about us now that we're sharing a bit. Right. <laughs> well played. Yeah. All right. So so to make this work this week, because we were afraid if we were in the same war, uh, room that we would have, well, all kinds of issues. But uh, but we have audio issues. So I'm actually in the lobby of our hotel in uh, Scottsdale, Arizona. And you are back in our master suite. That's right. Spent the last three nights together. I know. Crazy. I've got, I've got a great meeting Jeff and Bernie question for you, but uh, okay. Let's, let's, let's save it. Let's save it for just a minute. What are your opening thoughts? About, uh, really, uh, you know, talk a little, a, I'm really upset about, I guess my computer is finally done. It just, uh, it won't work. So I'm having to go from the phone. So if there are any audio issues, apologize about that. But I did have one thought and I'm going to bring it around to cornhole. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> well, I know. I know. By the by the way, if I'm talking really softly, I hope people can hear me. Like I'm putting oh, yeah. on my I'm putting on my best like like cornhole voice because yes. everybody down here in the lobby can hear me. Oh yeah. The, the fact that I'm doing a podcast about cornhole, people are like, What is he talking what about? What is he talking about? What is going on? What is happening? What is happening? Okay, sorry. So what was your what was your opening thought before I said? Well, we we played we played a we played a couple rounds of golf, right? Yeah. And I started thinking about it in terms of how bad my golf game is because of I can't get myself to just do something very easy, right? When I take my time, controlled swing, relaxed, hit it pretty well, right? It, it looks fine. So I like agree. Norm, yeah, you've got a really like nice a normal like, like a normal person playing golf. Yeah. No, I, I would say but you're that, better than normal, but yeah. But that, uh, that's such a rarity. And so I was wondering with that controlled, easy swing, you know, just kind of, it's such, it's so rare when I play. And I'm wondering sometimes with say some of our professionals, obviously they're professionals. They've gotten to this point to where they are a great deal better than the average player, you know, at a bar somewhere. Right. 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 But when they play against the bigger names and they get on the bigger stages, do they have a hard time just doing what they know how to do? Mm, right. Good question. You know, that's like, cause I, I know how to swing that club. I know how to do it in control. I just can't get myself mentally. I just can't get myself to do it repeatedly time and time and time again. Now I don't play all the time, play, you know, less than 10 times a year. That probably has a ton to do with it. Not able yeah. to kind of groove that swing, but I'm wondering sometimes with some of our pros that are having a hard time getting that big signature win, right? Or a few of those signature wins within a tournament, you know, if they're finding themselves having a hard time just being able to do what they know how to do. Yeah. Because, because they get in their own way, so to speak. And I'm wondering, I wish we could have them, you know, comment as we were doing this, but uh, I'm curious after this airs on Thursday night, what the thoughts will be from folks like do they find themselves just tensing up you know do they find themselves overthinking kind of getting in their own way yeah 
That is that is a great question and very timely because today on the show, coming up here in about 15 minutes or so, we're going to be joined by Rosie Streaker, who had mm-hmm. to fight her own, her own demons last year, right? And so oh, yeah. what a perfect person to to talk to and to talk to about that. Because, uh, I mean, I'm sure, you know, if you could pick 10 people to talk about and how they, they battle those issues, I'm sure she'd probably be one of the people you'd want to talk to about it. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, another thing, that has nothing to do with any of that is uh, yes, you can get overheated in Scottsdale, Arizona playing golf in the middle of the afternoon. I wasn't going to go there. I was not going to go there with you, but if you want to describe, you know, do you want to describe in in detail exactly what happened? If not, uh, we can just just talk in generality because because I'll, I'll, I'll start with mine because, you know, in Arizona, it's interesting because, you know, we made our tea time yesterday for close to four o'clock. And so we thought, at least I thought, you know, as the day went on, yeah, well, obviously it's gonna be hot at four o'clock. I thought by five thirty, six o'clock, maybe it'd start to cool down. It actually gets hotter. And then the sun finally starts <laughs> to set and then it gets beautiful. Right? right. But I'm going to tell you, when we were in that cart, even though I drank, you know, a big glass of water before we, sorry, I'm getting too loud. Before. <laughs> before uh before we started drinking a big glass of water by the time we got to hole six like i told you last night if we had not hit water you know at that water station by hole number six you guys were gonna have to pick me up off the tee box on seven because i'm telling you i don't think i was gonna last another hole it, it catches up to you quick yeah i made the mistake we have a uh you overcompensated yeah we have a really cool uh facility here and i decided to have you know some daiquiris for some reason you know, two or three for l- with lunch. And uh, that's a lot of sugar, right? That's a lot of sugar. And, you know, alcohol is not the greatest idea when you're getting ready to play golf and it's 103 degrees outside. Right. So, yeah, it caught up to me. And the funny thing is I was drinking Powerades on the course thinking, you know, I'll replenish fluids, blah, blah, blah. And I get just that much more sugar. So by the time we got to 16, had to... Uh, had a nice little expulsion there on the tee box. Not not a good commercial for Powerade. <laughs> no, no. But uh, you could tell it was definitely red. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah, we could yeah. all tell. Yeah, yeah. it was. Uh, it started it was, out okay, it, and it seemed like you were just going to have just a minor extraction of <laughs> belly yeah. liquids. Yeah, but, not so much. But, but to quote one of our favorite comedies, wow, that escalated quickly. Yeah, yeah, that, uh, that was... I probably yeah, that was that was impressive though, and did not get any of it on my new shirt. So that was the best thing. Are you I mean, wearing that was, shirt again? By the way, no, no, no. This is uh, completely different. But I am, uh, I'm yeah. wearing the same. I didn't golf. Right. I'm wearing the same shirt I wore last. Yeah, time. man. No, I. Uh, that was because I felt really bad, but then once that happened, you know, obviously I felt a little bit better, but still kind of woozy because it's hot. And the yeah. sun was going down at that point. When we got done, it was almost dark and it was still a hundred degrees. Yeah. But it's it was, amazing. Yeah. It's amazing what a hundred feels like when the sun's not bearing down on you. Well, it was so funny. I thought one of the best things of the night was when the sun was just about set and and we were driving back and it felt cooler. And it yeah. was still what the car still said like 98 degrees, but it felt 90, 99 degrees and it felt <laughs> awesome. Yeah, it felt really good. Yeah. All right. Uh, so, all right. So, so Rosie's going to join us. Uh, do you want to do meet and uh, meet Jeff and Bernie off the top? I kind of, I mean, what, what are your thoughts on the format? Because I kind of liked it last week when we did meet Jeff and Bernie. 
right away. Let's do because, it. Because we kind of, I mean, for lack of a better term, we kind of get it out of the way, even though I enjoy doing it. But we kind of, we get it out of the way. And that way we can just enjoy the guest until the end yeah. of the show. And I feel like, you know, because like with Jason it was great, because even even though we always have to cut people short, I felt like we at least had a little bit more time. So we can do Jeff and Bernie up front. Yeah, man. Maybe. I don't know. What are your thoughts? I don't know. Let's do it. Hit me. You got a question? I'm I also feeling. have some cornhole stuff, too. I mean, how much time? Uh -huh. Rose is going to join us about 10 minutes, 10, 15 minutes. Um, you know, because really what I've liked doing is taking the notes that I that I take during the week, during our, our shootouts and during the nationals and kind of share them. Um, yeah. So I don't know if you want to do let's let, You know what? Let's do some cornhole just real quick. Okay, because, yeah, let's knock it out. Because, again, you know, for, for people who um, are new to the sport or for people who aren't aficionados and follow all the time. I think they mm -hmm. like a little bit of the background information. Sure. So this, this week, Alex Rawls, just 18 years old, right? Played with so much confidence and one on the single side. Terrific. And then another one of the big storylines was, um, Oh, Philip Lopez. That's right. And Ryan Smith. I mean, here, as much as we talk about teamwork, right. And the importance right. of playing together as a team and that chemistry and how it's even important in cornhole, all of a sudden you get two guys literally have never played together before and they win at the highest level the first time first event they've ever played together so i don't know if that's just instant chemistry or if it's just two really good players i mean they are obviously two good players yeah i was i was super impressed with that i'll tell you why i was really impressed with it because if you remember back in salt lake city uh i was actually calling on the streaming when uh mark richards and philip lopez played against eric anderson and ryan smith Right. And Philip Lopez Jr. started slowing down. And I think it was fairly intentional because he was trying, I think, a little gamesmanship, just trying to get Ryan out of his rhythm. Right. Uh, so it's interesting that those two end up pairing up in a shootout just because partners couldn't make it. And then they win it. I thought that was really interesting. Yeah. I mean, any insight as to the partner's reaction? I mean, I did talk to Philip and uh, and he was talking to Mark Richards right away afterwards. And Mark's a great guy, right? And and mm -hmm. he's he's he really should be a college basketball coach. He missed he missed his calling. <laughs> so he he was saying all the right things, right? But I don't know if you got any more insight on that. I'm sure that had to hurt at least a little bit that the partners well, couldn't be there. You do know that going into this week's Vegas event, this coming week, this coming weekend, that Mark Richards and Eric Anderson have teamed up. Is that official? I remember hearing Trey oh, talk yeah. about that. Okay, oh, so yeah, guys, that... because because in the beginning, because because now that that there are odds sets and it's you know and Vegas is involved, sometimes yeah. you can't just do things on the fly like that. But so apparently there was enough time to allow those two to play together. That's awesome. I think I think once uh, Philip and Ryan won, I don't think it took more than twelve, maybe twenty four hours before Mark and Eric decided to play together. <laughs> <laughs> so now the revenge tour in yeah. Vegas begins. I think it would be awesome if they won. I mean, oh how crazy gosh. would that? How crazy would it be, Jeff? All right, if if they both qualify with each other's partners, and then in August, right, we'll still be in the middle of the shootout series, and then in August or in July, for that matter, at our next uh, national in outside of Chicago, that they they meet somewhere like in the semifinals. Yes. Where it would be with the regular partners or something like that. I think that would be awesome. Have to keep an keep an eye on that storyline. Oh my gosh, that would be amazing. Yeah, I'd love that. Um okay. Last thing. Moses uh -huh. Zazueta. Just one more mm -hmm. little cornhole note. Seventeen years old. Dad was a professional uh pitcher in the St. Louis Cardinals organization. Another great story. 
because Philip is just such. I mean, Philip is such a good young player, and he Moses. credits. Or sorry, yeah, uh, 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 Moses is such a great it. player. Sorry, I'm tired, and I look like shit. By the way, I've been doing real estate <laughs> shit this morning since like six a.m., which I love. I, I do love it, but I'm a little tired. So, yeah. and, and and I hate the way I look on these podcasts. Seriously, when we play it back, I'm like, come on, dude, I look tired. I look like crap. Uh, I don't. I don't really look much different than I normally look. I don't. Think. You could so at I'm least. Not. You could at least say you don't look like crap. You look good, but you didn't say that. It's okay. We move on. I, think, I, think you, you I, I don't date you, Jeff, so I, I don't feel like I have to uh, – I, I don't feel like the need to uh, no, placate your emotions. We don't date, but but apparently we've slept <laughs> together for the last three nights. A little bit of love <laughs> in a situation like that would have would have been much appreciated. So anyway. <laughs> All right. So so Moses, 17, Moses, years, yeah. 17 years old, and uh, gets all of his inspiration from his dad. And, and, you know, what Moses talked to me about this last weekend – in Mesa was everything we talk about how important the mental part of the game is and and I thought his dad made a great analogy because I talked to his dad too and he said that being a baseball pitcher is so much like being a professional cornhole player because he's like you know what as a pitcher sometimes you're just gonna throw a meatball pitch right down the middle right sometimes you make a mistake and the dude's gonna jack it for a home run and you've just got it. You just got to put it away. You have to put that away and bounce back. And he said it's the exact same thing for Moses. Sometimes he's going to throw a bad bag. It's going to cost him a few points. And he's got yeah. to just put it away. So Moses, at 17 years old, has been able to do a great job of just of just moving on, right? Just let it go. Yeah. Let that bad pitch, let that home run, not affect you. And I just love that analogy. Just crossing over sports. No, you know, I think I it's love, awesome. I love that anyway. I, Moses is a perfect example. A, I think we've seen a lot of this uh, over the the past couple of years that when we go you know, when we travel around, we have different nationals in different locations. Now with the shootouts, even more locations we can get to that the pros kind of in that region, in that area, I think they get an extra little oomph trying to kind of almost protect home turf. Right. Yeah. And I then agree. saw it with Doug Zaft and Bill Hadley had a great weekend, two Arizona yeah. guys. And, you know, obviously Moses being a local guy, I think. And then it also speaks to, once again, and I've said this probably a billion times now over the last year, the depth of talent. Yeah. There are so many unbelievably good players. Hot streak, it's all it takes. Yeah. And just like with a pitcher, back to your pitching analogy to bring it full circle, you've seen pitchers that are mired in double AA, A, triple A baseball for whatever reason they find it. Right. And yeah. before you know it, they're in the majors, they ride that streak. Next year comes along can't quite find it and they're back in the minors right but all it takes is just so if you can find that hot zone you never know what you can do especially in a a one you know in a one day one weekend type situation that our players have and it also speaks to how great that really means someone like jamie grand is or someone like trey birchfield or matt guy or whomever those players that seem to always be there right because they're not riding hot streaks their state their their level of excellence over a long period of time is uh it's quite impressive i like i like your point too about about home court advantage yeah um i mean is that a thing because correct me if i'm wrong didn't we see jacob trzinski have a huge run like in rhode island earlier this year i mean that's 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 literally right down i mean relatively speaking right down the street from where he lives right um i i I I think i think there's totally something to it I think especially if you get to sleep in your own bed, I think, you know, I think Moses stayed at home, right? So he's literally just kind of getting up and going to work in essence, 
and then yeah. being able to go back and get in his own bed. And I think that's a definite advantage. All right. That is a perfect segue. So speaking of sleeping in beds. Yeah. Um, uh, Ro Rosie just joined us in the green room. But first, I got to ask you this. All right. So we've been sleeping together now for three nights, right? So here's my meet Jeff and Bernie question. What have you learned about me that you didn't know by sharing a bedroom and sleeping together for the last three days? Honestly, not much. I mean, I, I would think you've probably learned more about me. I'm pro like, uh, I'm probably a horrific snorer at this point. And uh, when I, you know, it's funny when I decide to actually fall asleep, I'm pretty good. It's just, I get up three hours later. Right. I've, I've, no I've noticed. And I will say because of that, when I've had to get up and maybe go use the bathroom or kind of, you know, play on my phone for an hour or two before falling back asleep, you're very quiet and very still. It seems when you sleep, I don't know if Kathy would agree with that or not, but not a peep, not a peep coming from the other side of the room. I don't know if she does agree with that. I'll have to, I'll have to ask her. <laughs> um, and yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, you got, you've got a little snoring issue. Yeah. Um, but, but, uh, but nothing that, that earplugs couldn't, couldn't handle. Right. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. So I just yeah. Plugs in and, and away we went. You know, you know what, you know what I learned about you is, is what a, uh, what an entertainment like guru you are. I don't think people realize burning and appreciate your, oh, Stacey's just walked in. So now, now we really, now truly we have an audience. This, this is becoming like a coach's <laughs> show of like, like an audience, but no, I mean, something that, that I learned about you was that, was that I don't want to say worldly. I mean, that sounds maybe stupid, but you are, you are very smart. Like you're very intelligent and you know, a lot, well, at least you pretend. I know a little about a lot. I don't do. know a lot about one thing, right? You know, like that, that's about, my problem. And, 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 and it's been fun being together because, like, we watched stupid movies. We talked about bands. We talked about sports. But, but mostly it was about other things, you know, like movies and music and that, and that kind of stuff. So it's, it's really been fun to hang out with you and yeah. sleep with you Thanks, for the man. last three days. <laughs> Thanks, man. Yeah, yeah it's, it's been fun. I'm a, I'm a really good partner in trivia, right? You want to go to a bar I, on I trivia night? Are. I'm, I'm probably a good partner to bring along. I, uh, like I said, I mean, it's kind of a, it's kind of a blessing and a curse because I know a little bit about a great deal of things, but I don't know a lot about, you know, any one specific thing. And the only thing I think I've learned over 51, almost 52 years of life on this planet, that I think it's a little better to know a lot about one thing and then make that your, you know, your job or your, you know, your life, because, my brain's all over the place. So it's, uh, I think wow. it's more because my brain's so scattered than it is my ability, you know, my, my, my lack of ability to focus. Well, I love you, brother, and I appreciate it. Yeah, man. Love you. And we just had someone else join us. So we uh -oh. literally are starting to get an audience. I hope I'm not like making people upset. So, yeah. all right. Time to move on and bring in, really, I don't, I don't know if we want to call her the leading lady of the sport, but truly one of the great people in the sport. And I am so incredibly proud of what she did this last weekend. So Rosie Streaker, for those who don't know, we had the pro shootout, same format last year on, on national TV, on CBS. And not once, twice, three times, five times she lost either in the finals or the semifinals. And this year, just in the second shootout, she goes on and wins it all in Mesa. So I'm so proud of her. And she does a lot of stuff behind the scenes for the ACL. She helps out with the show. So we don't have time, but I could, I could talk about her behind her back for the next half an hour. But please welcome to Borderline for the first time, Rosie Streaker. Rosie. Hi, thanks for having me, guys. Hey, thanks for coming on. 
All right. Well, so Bernie has a great question for you. So, but but before we get to to that, because it's it's really like a, a a terrific question just about your mental strength. But so, what was it? What was it like for you, winning, in Mesa? And I don't I don't mean just at the moment, but like once you got back home and you had you know time to think about everything. Maybe on the flight home, like when did it sink in that you won that automatic bid last weekend? Um. I think right away I, I felt the excitement and I felt the, shoo, it's finally, yeah. finally did it. Um, but then getting home and kind of like, I didn't really realize from like my family and friends and local players, how many of them saw and reached out. Cause I, I knew I really wanted it. I knew Davis, my husband really wanted it, but local players that have been like so pushing for it. I think that kind of sunk in. I was like, okay, it finally, it was a big deal. And I finally did it. I, if, for those that didn't see it on CBS, maybe one of the great reactions of all time was that little, <laughs> that little spirit hands leap you gave right as you knew that you would won. That is uh, I can't believe that hasn't become a meme yet online, <laughs> but what did it, we were talking before you came on and I was making an analogy about playing golf and having a hard time just doing very simple things. Like just when I, when I play golf and I swing controlled and within myself and kind of relaxed and easy, it works, right? The swings, the swing looks good. The ball does what it's supposed to do. I just have a hard time doing that repeatedly. And I was wondering at your level, I mean, obviously to be a pro, you're a remarkably good cornhole player, but there are levels within that pro division to get to, right? Do you find it difficult or do you think players find it difficult to kind of to, to do what they know how to do? Because you'll see players make mistakes and you're like, well, they never do that. That's that's so strange for them to make that mistake. Is that is that something hard for you? And do you think it's hard for other players to kind of get in that groove? I think. Um, sometimes getting focused so that you can just get like mentally right in it. So then you can repeatedly throw it in and it's, I'll throw like three rounds, hit a four bagger three times in a row. And then all of a sudden I'll miss it. I'm like, why, what happened? Like, what did you do differently? So for me, that's something I'm still thinking about and working on. Yeah. <laughs> and then I, I'm like, why don't I just throw it in every time? Come on. <laughs> But I mean, like, watch like, like, start. Yeah, go ahead, Jeff. I, I was going to say to Bernie's point specifically, like, how much do you think about your mechanics when you're playing, like, like, like throughout the game? Like, I because I think that's kind of what Bernie's talking about too, is yeah. is the mechanics of it. And you know, for him, even though he's telling him that he knows what to do, right, you know, he knows how to do it the right way, but his there, there's some disconnect between, you know, his actual swing, and and what his brain is telling him. So, do you think much about your mechanics when you're playing? I do. Um, especially if it's an open board and I'm just sliding in because I know I have to do that same exact throw that I do each time. And right. for me, um, especially throwing on those blackboards, they were somehow in my head. And I sort of started this last season saying to myself, take your time, follow through, throw with confidence. Because I would sometimes ease up and not make it to the hole if I didn't seem confident because I was worried it was going to play off the back. So I started kind of like that was my little before each start, take your time, follow through, throw with confidence. And that's I, uh, like, like, yeah, I, when I when I when I see you play, Rosie, and what you went through last year and then to come through and knock it out in the second shootout when there's a lot more talent to deal with this season. 
If you, oh if you think it, the, the depth of talent on the on the ladies division as and the pro division overall is so much deeper. So that has to feel pretty good to know that you're done and you can just watch women's singles now until September. It does. It feels good. I'm also a little sad because I will miss traveling with these ladies because we do have a lot of fun. Right. <laughs> but it is a huge relief and I am very excited to have a time and just be able to observe. Well, at least I mean, you, can, you can save yeah. a little bit of money, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> and you can still play doubles. Family. You can still play doubles. You can qualify for both. Yeah, I am going to be in Vegas tomorrow. Sam and I are going to go for doubles. So. Oh, good. We'll see you in Vegas then this weekend. Good. All right. So, so going back to the mental strength of it. So, I think I might have talked to you about this a little bit after the broadcast. But how did you? What was going through your mind? Because if I remember right, I think both in the semifinals and I know for sure in the finals, um, that there was a little bit of a comeback, a little bit of a back and forth. So, I just wanted to know when you have the lead. And then all of a sudden, like Samantha comes back, right? So she comes back on you. And all of a sudden, at, at any point in your head, was there a, oh, my God, here we go again moment? When Sam got hot in the middle of the game, I think it was like rounds three through like six or seven where she wasn't missing. Right. It strongly occurred to me that I was down and she might not miss another bag the whole game because she gets hot and she just doesn't stop like that. And even if I try to block her, she's going to push through it. So knowing her as a player, I was like, all right, going to have to win in Vegas in my mind then. And then when she uh, hit the one to the side, I thought, okay, like, here I go. And then I missed with her. So and then it wasn't until the <laughs> next round that once I scored, I was like, okay, you need six perfect bags and you win. Like six perfect bags, you can do that. All right. I got you. I'm going to put you, I'm going to put you on the spot, Rosie. You ready? Ready. You and Cheyenne have found two of the eight spots. Who are the other six ladies that are going to qualify? Oh, gosh. Um, who, do you, who, do you, who do you think is most likely next? Mm. I'm going to go Sam. Sam's coming off a big. She wanted right. that win. Um, the last pro shootout, the first one, she got it. So I think she she's very confident that she'll get the next one. Um, I think... Sam, Connie. Yes, Kaylee Connie's Hunter. playing great. Kaylee, yeah. There's so many good females. Where, where, do, where does where do, where do you think? And I don't mean to put anybody. I mean, Cameron where, just where, finished third in the open. That's Cameron. Sure. Oh my gosh, that's a great yeah. point. Like we haven't even talked about Cameron Belvin very much. What? Where does Megan Maupin fit in? Still need some more work on national TV. No, I think no. Megan will do great. I think she'll get it. I mean, our game, it could have honestly gone either way. Um, she just made a couple more mistakes because right? neither one of us was, like, on fire that game. Um, this, is what, but see, this is what makes it so hard, right? So you start going through, that's four or five names. There's still Sarah Cassidy out. I mean, there's still all these names Sarah. that are there, and it's just hard. That's why I was trying to put you on the spot so you could be in trouble like I get in trouble because then they would all see you when you get to the event and just kind of mean mug you a little bit and talk about you as you walk by. Yeah. Uh, geez, wait, wait a second. I think there's so many great ladies. This is hard. Speaking. I think they didn't name all the spots. So. Right. Speaking, and everyone else. Speaking of being in trouble. All right. Uh -oh. So th this is this is maybe a little bit of a touchy subject. Bernie and I uh -oh. were talking about this. Do you feel, Rosie, and 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 
just, just tell us honestly either way. Do you feel like overall the women have struggled a little bit on the pro level this side and in the pro standings? Um, you can disagree. I'm not. There's. I mean, last season. <laughs> there was only four well, of no. Us I mean, I think. Been... I think what I think what Jeff is saying is when you watch you guys play. I wonder, and I'll, I'll just be open and honest about it. I wonder why, looking at well, the pro I'm not standings. Being open about it. Well, no, I mean, but fully, like, I'm wondering if you look at the pro standings, there are certain ladies that just their pro standings aren't what you think they should be. Right. Because when you watch you play in shootouts and in other, other platforms, there's not a great deal of difference between you and someone in the top 50, but yet. Does it speak more to the depth of the pro division overall, or is there a mental block somewhere along the way for the ladies to kind of make that jump much higher in the pro division? Yes, good question. Um, I can speak for me. I don't feel like there's a mental block. I know, I mean, one of the nationalized went 0-2, and then even in the 0-2 bracket, I was playing people, and they were shooting 11 PPR. So people are throwing phenomenal. And yeah especially if they lose then they're just in it and they want to win. Um, I know for me, my whole season that hasn't been how I wanted it to be. Um, my bags, I've just been kicking left and trying to figure it all out, but scooting up has really helped me. So I'm hoping to make a bigger run in the pro events. Cause I want to make, I just looked at my um, spot in the pro rankings and counted out i'm the 20th ranked woman which is terrible <laughs> but i'm gonna <laughs> work really hard to try and go up like 100 points in these next two i think some of the ladies do feel more at ease though playing with the women um and get a little bit more nervous against the guys why is that yeah, why is that? That's an interesting – I mean, because I think you're right. I'm, I'm just curious as to why that is. Are the guys just big jerks? I don't think so. For me, I just think you can slide more bags in the hole, just slide more bags in the hole. It's a one-pound bag. There's not a difference. Right. I agree. But, I mean, I think when you look at the men – but they do play a, quote-unquote, dirtier game. And, and do you think that that is an issue in the women's game to where there is a lot of just slide in the hole, slide in the hole, slide in the hole. And the men's game, you know, you play against an Eric Davis, he gets first bag. That first bag is going to be right in front of the hole every time. Mm -hmm. And I mean, is that, is that something that like Cheyenne, for example, and I talk about her way too much, but you know, Cheyenne's just going to go right through that bag. It's not going to bother her. Mm -hmm. where I think it does have an effect on some other players. And I'm just, I'm just curious as to why that is, if it's just one of those things that people have to get through, because it's not just the ladies. There's more men deeper in those standings than there are women. So they're having a problem with those better players too. I'm just, I just, you know, when I watch you play and I watch Sam play and I watch Cameron play and I watch Kay Kaylee Hunter play, I'm just wondering why, you know, why there's, there should be more winning on that side, I guess is what I'm saying. I'm surprised to see at least this season, and although the depth of talent's a lot deeper this season, this rookie class is insane. But I, I'm just curious. I didn't know if you had a thought on that or if it's just one of those coincidences. I feel like it's more coincidence because those a lot of the top girls that you just named, I know, are not the ones that are getting nervous to move to the national and play guys. Um, right. It's just sort of happening. It's tough. I mean, the caliber of players is amazingly tough. So here, all right. So here's the bottom line question: When you're going against a male pro, 
is it more difficult because of the mental hurdle or is it more of a style of play issue? Um, I don't necessarily think it's harder to play against the guys. For me, I know with the girls, like if honestly, I'm more nervous to play like Mac guy or Connie Altai, who I know I'm going, they slide in so, so often. I know I have to be a better slider. If I play someone who's okay. going to like play a messier game, whether, well, Noah just kicked my butt in doubles, but like I like playing someone like that because I'm going to push their bag in and then hope that one of their rolls or their blocks kicks left or right because then I know I could get two there. It's yeah. kind of my mentality that I just have to be really consistent in those games. All right. So more of a style of play thing than male or female. Mm-hmm. Okay. Do you, do you think that it's different for other female players? Um, I, there are definitely female players that if you throw them a block bag, that is going no, 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 no. I mean about playing against a male player. Do you think, yeah, do you think it's a mental hurdle? Said. Oh yeah. For some, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. We've talked about that many times, so it's good to get your, your perspective on it. It's a, we're, we're trying to put Rosie on the spot. It's really what we're doing. We're not letting her bask in the glory of her <laughs> shootout win. We're trying to put her on the spot and make her feel bad. <laughs> no. All right. So speaking of being on the spot, so we've talked a lot about doing interviews and you've done a lot of interviews and, and you've gotten to the point where you seem anyway, like you're very comfortable doing them. Um, you know, this, this is like, like, well, I don't want to call anybody out, but there, there are people who have approached us about helping them. But what, I mean, do you guys talk about it behind the scenes? I mean, d- does anyone come to you and say, how do you do it? How do you, you know, how do you talk to these people? What do I need to do better? Do you guys talk about that? I mean, should we be talking about this, trying to help people, or we just let it go? No, no one really does talk about it. And that is actually, except for Sam and I laugh and giggle if we know we said a crazy answer right after we win a game. (laughs) But other than that, no one's really talking about an interview. But that is probably a smart conversation that everybody should be having. Well, Rosie, because, I mean, to be honest with you, I mean, just because, you know, I've been on the media side for so long, that's what's going to take you guys to the next level. I mean, you all can be really good players, right? But what's going to take it to the next level with sponsorships is your personalities. I mean, you know, it's TV can only take you so far. Looks can only take you so far. Your style of play can only take you so far. At some point, a personality is going to have to come through for these big time sponsorships to come through. So I think that's where, you know, it's it needs to be. It's and it's the same in any other sport, whether it's golf or whether it's NASCAR. It's the personalities that really kind of become polarizing, that people become endeared with, and that's when the sponsorships come. So I feel like that might be, you know, the next step that needs to be taken. I was just wondering if anyone ever talked about that. Yeah, no, that you're absolutely right, though. That makes complete sense. But that's that your answer speaks <laughs> to a wider problem. I think what Jeff's getting, it's not talked about. It's not discussed in any way. And I know the ACL is start, going to start taking steps with, certain players because you can't grab 256 plus players and have them work individually with people but there are steps being taken but it's interesting like i think sometimes the mentality is well my game's going to speak for me and that's awesome that's an that's an awesome theory and that's that's great to think that way but if you do look at every other sport yes the champions do get you know talked about but there's people in every other sport who are not champions that make more money than everybody else because they are able to show personality and kind of have their own brand, if you will. 
because they're able to talk more about things. They're able they're able to be relatable to every person watching on television, basically. And those people become fans of that person or that team because there is a great personality to latch on to. So I, I think it is, as Jeff's saying, the next evolution of the game is to find people that really want to kind of bask in that sunshine, right? I mean, that you kind of have to want it, I think. I think you have to want to be that person. And I don't know if we have – I mean, I know we have a couple. But I don't know if we have enough people that are really like, you know what? I want it. I want it all. Put the camera on me all the time. I want to answer all the questions, yada, yada, yada. I don't know how many of those people that we have yet. Well, I, th- I think the big thing, too, is and I, I think the question in there, Rosie, is if it was offered – would the players be willing to, you know, join in on something like that? Because we had, we had, as you well know, because you work behind the scenes with all of our podcasts, uh, we had John Williams on last week, right? Big time college basketball player, played for the Harlem Globetrotters. They have training for them. They have media training at most levels of professional sports. So if it was offered, would anyone even be interested? I think, I think that's probably the big question. I think some players would definitely be interested. Um, I'm actually incredibly lucky because my uncle owns Stephanie Communications, which is a huge uh, PR company. Um, he's got some big clients and he has worked with me some. And then we did a cup, we did like a half day training for Kimmel. And then we did like a full day training <laughs> Whoa. just to like do it and like kind of practice my interviewing and question taking and statements that I want to give out to the media. Yeah. Wait a second. So you practiced for a half a day before you went on with Jimmy Kimmel? Yeah, and then I did another full day training with him after, where he kind of so, that's that so hard to do. That's so it? hard to do that so, training too. So tell me about this. So what? So what? What was that like for the for the half day and for the full day? I didn't realize they did that on those big shows. Well, no, no, I did it with my uncle's company. Just I did it. Like oh, oh, I thought I thought you meant afterwards. No. Like oh yeah, no, <laughs> no, just with my uncle's company. I kind of I'm just it was very I'm very fortunate that he did it in that. He really loves me and I really love him. So he kind of just offered this training that I know he does gotcha. with companies that's very expensive. Yeah. Well, since you brought that up, what were some of the things that he talked about? Um, it was actually really cool and really interesting because I am a teacher. So I like kind of where it all came from. So the whole the whole day training we did, like where you kind of learned the history of media, like where it moved from like print to radio and like kind of that, just sort of the aspect overview. Um, and then sort of messages that you want to give as a person kind of coming out. And then we did like samples, like this person's coming to you from CBS and here's their questions. Um, I did really good. We did like three different ones. Then we debriefed and talked about like, here's what you could have done better. Here's what you did great. First one did great. And then they were like, really try to focus not having your interview on question driven. So the next time I tried not to, bombed it. I couldn't answer. Someone asked me a question, <laughs> couldn't answer their questions. I just, no words could come out. <laughs> but then I ended strong with my third one <laughs> so that I didn't get kicked out of the training or anything. <laughs> I, t- I told, because uh, Samantha and I have talked about it a couple of times. I told her, I'm like, you know, just, just think of a couple of stock responses, right? And even like, even if my question maybe, you know, doesn't quite fit in with what she's got in her head, she wants to talk about, it's okay. You can just spin it. And I also told her, I said, you know, one of the funny things that you can do is just practice in the car and it's, it's severely awkward. Right. But that's the point of it. Like literally practice out loud in the car, you know, what, what your response would be. And I told her, you know, even say, even started by saying, thanks, Jeff, you know, blah, 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 or thanks, Trey. And just practice. 
I mean, because, and that's what John Williams was saying last week. You, it's like basketball, it's like cornhole, it's whatever sport you're playing. You have to practice at it. So I love that. I love that you're doing that behind the scene. All right. So speaking of being on Jimmy Kimmel and, and all this other stuff, here, here's, here's a, a fluff question for you. <laughs> and it could take a while to, to respond. But again, you talked about being a teacher and right. You just had a normal everyday life. All of a sudden you're really, really good at cornhole. You're on national TV. You're on Jimmy Kimmel. Like how has that now changed your entire life? Um, it's kind of surreal because it doesn't seem because then I come home and I mean, I just <laughs> fed the kids lunch, changed diapers and got kids dressed before they took off so I could do this. So it was quiet here. Yeah. So it's kind of surreal. It just sort of seems like, OK, so this is what I'm doing here and here I'm doing this. Um, really funny that the girls now are starting they're two now. So they're starting to sort of understand like, oh, mom was just on TV and they cheered and stuff. So they keep handing me bags and pointing to the board outside. They're like, go on TV. And they'll go to watch on the TV. I know I'm just going to go in the backyard and now I'm on TV. So it's just funny. <laughs> I love that. But that's that's an interesting point. What's kind of so amazing about our sport is you can be on Kim, right? And then you come home, you're mom. Mm -hmm. You're automatically mom as soon as you walk through the door. And that's got to be fairly grounding. Right. You can't you can't think, oh, yeah, I was just yeah. on national TV. No big deal. Whatever. <laughs> Talk about me. And then the kids are like, need, 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 need. <laughs> you don't have any of that, do you, Rosie? No, not at all. <laughs> the first time um, in, when Sam and I won the first women's doubles world championship, I raced home that night to make it to the first day of school. And I was the door holder and greeted all the kids and the families as they come in the first day. And there were two dads like that gave me a very odd look as they were coming in. And I was like, that that's really strange. And I was like, oh, hi, I'm a streaker. Maybe we haven't met. And then the one dad coming out was like, hey, were you on TV yesterday? <laughs> it was funny. And I was like, yeah. And he's like, no, like you were playing Cornell on TV. And I was like, I was. <laughs> and he was like, hmm. Have, have you have you gotten used to that yet? Is it awkward when that happens? No, it's nice because it's normally people that play cornhole or really like the sport. So you're, you already have something in common together. So All right. I, I'm going to talk about how awkward it is because I don't have the kind of happenings like that that you guys have. But the other night... I don't night, know, Bernie. You've been a rock star here in Arizona. The, uh, well, this is the other night we walk into our hotel. Right. We had been out to eat. We come in and I can't remember Colton, I believe. Was it, is it Colton or Colt? I can't remember. Anyway, this guy comes running up to us. I mean, you know, kind of walking straight at us, you know, with 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 intention. Mm -hmm. And he's like, start. He says Jeff's name and he says my name. The first thought I've got is something happened to our room. Oh, see, my first thought was we're dead. <laughs> no, I mean, first thought was, oh, no, something's happened to our room. We're going to have to, you know. And then he was just a fan. He just wanted to come up and, you know, talk about cornhole and take a picture and all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, I, I just that, that's so strange. Like to me, to back on, you know, to your surreal, like to me, that's say, was, so strange was, was, because the last thing in my head was, oh, this guy knows who I am because of something else. Yeah. Like that I was, was literally say, nowhere near my brain. Was there a question in there for Rosie or are you just trying to make? No, I was, just, cool? I, I, I was piggybacking on there. That's why I said it. <laughs> I actually prefaced the statement with that. 
Well, <laughs> and it even goes back to yesterday, Rosie. I mean, j- just playing golf and we're out at TPC, right? The guy who took care of the clubs. Turns out, you know, once he once he said, what are you guys in town for? And we told him he watches you guys all the time. And he absolutely loves watching. I mean, are you are you surprised? I mean, you have to be. But like, what, what do you and Davis? Because for those who don't know, uh, Rosie's husband, Davis, is also a really good player. But I mean, behind the scenes, you guys have to be blown away by what has happened with this sport, even just in the last two years. Oh, yeah, it's amazing. I mean, the growth of sport, because we've been playing for 12 years. And it, I mean, it was just your Cornell family, you go, you see them. And now how it's just grown exponentially is amazing. And so awesome for all of us. So people ask me all the time, why is it so popular on TV? Like, why can't I stop watching? And I don't, sometimes I don't know what to say. So what, what, how would you answer that? Um, I think it's relatable. Like you see it and you're like, I can do that. I don't watch football and say, Oh, I could totally take those guys. But I can do that. Yeah, they all think they can related. do it until they get on a court with you guys. You know what I mean? Like they all think, Oh, I can do that. And then they play someone like Rosie and they realize I, I, I can't do that actually. <laughs> But yeah, I think I think relatable is is a big word. And, and believe it or not, something else I've also heard is people are mesmerized by the bag flight, which again goes back to my point about how it's a much sexier game when you guys are throwing 25 and 30, you know, in a row in. It, there's something I'm telling you, there's something just gold about it on national TV. They do. They literally get mesmerized by the flight of the bag and the constant, you know, sliding it into the hole because nobody can do that. Nobody in my family, none of my friends, none of us can throw 30 or 40 or 50 bags in in a row. This what, what Jeff's trying to do here, Rosie, is get back to his point. He maintains that it's much better to have everyone sliding it in on television than people yeah. playing in the dirty game. Yeah, and he, that's my fault. He, he, there, continues, there. he continuously tries to put it in the show. It's If not every week, every other week. That, that's true. That's my, that's my fault. There was no question in there. I'm just, I'm just trying to make myself look right. You're absolutely right. <laughs> Well, I like a sliding game better, so I'm Thank with you. you on that. Thank the, you. The, the funny thing is that I kind of agree with Jeff, but I can't really agree with him because that would make it too easy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Rosie. Hey, as we wrap things up, um, and again, thanks so much for coming on. Um, you know, the, re- the rest of the West Coast schedule is is so good. Um, you know, we were talking about, you know, Bernie asked you the question, who, you know, who do you think is going to win or, or who's most likely to win? You know, when we go into the world championships coming up here and what, I mean, it's going to come up before you know it, but about uh, yeah. two months away, right? I mean, Less than who, two months, yeah. I mean, so we're basically kind of at the halfway point, maybe a little bit further of the, of the big part of the meat of the schedule. Who do you, who, I mean, as, as a pro yourself, who do you look at? Because I know my answer. Who do you look at and say, wow, uh, he or she is just killing it right now, and I don't know who's going to beat him. I know it's I a mean, tough one. Some local, I, I love as from the female side, I love how much Yeti has grown this year. Um, I think she's a phenomenal player. Um, I love Alex Rawls. He's a local Florida kid. We've known him forever. And I just, it's fun to watch him kind of dominate and also I become agree. a little bit more humble, which is nice to kind of see him mature just a little bit. And <laughs> kind of, so wait a second. You want, you want him to be a little bit more humble? No, he is. He's a little oh, bit okay. more, he's a little bit more. I mean, he's still Alex Ross, but he, I mean, and I love watching him play and win. Yeah, he plays with a ton of confidence. I love that. Mm-hmm. I really like that. Well, my my pick is I I, I, I would 
I think Jamie Graham right now is a guy I just don't want to play. I think he's playing so good. I know he's playing a little slow, whatever. Uh, I come from the baseball side. There are some pitchers that just take a while before they throw each pitch. I get it. It's it's tough sometimes. But, man, he is just locked in right now. He's fun to watch. I think what Jamie's able to do is Jamie can play any game. If you want to slide it in 40 times in a row, Jamie will play that game with you. If you want to, if you want to dirty up the board, Jamie will play that game with you. Yeah. I, I just think he has kind of to make it like tennis. He has an all court kind of game. He can play his game so well rounded. I think. I think that's what makes him special. I still like watching Eric Davis and Noah Wooten. I mean, I just the the shot making ability that they have. Are, are they as consistent as they need to be? Maybe not, but the ability to make shots is just unbelievable. All right, we got to wrap things up. We got like a minute left. Ugh. So, as always, running out of time. Hey, Rosie, again, so impressed with what you did, and I'm so happy for you. Uh, just getting over the hump and winning that second one. Seriously, I mean, that takes some serious mental hold, toughness. Hold on, Jeff. Hold on, Rosie. Do it. Oh, you got 30 seconds. Do the jump, Rosie. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. That, that's it. <laughs> that's it. Perfect. Hey, thank you. Tell Davis we say hi. Tell the kids Thanks we say hi. Thanks for having me, guys. All right. <laughs> Bye, Rosie. Bye. <laughs>